RadioInfluence.com. Oh, this this is a good one. This is a good one. Now, I was waiting for this one. This rock stops here for this guest for a little while. And he did not remember me. I'll flat out, I tell you the honest to God truth on the rock stops here. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> rock, rock, rock. Yeah, a couple years ago we did something. Uh, yeah. The, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was here 18 years. You know, the main sports anchor locally, you know, Bay News 9. Yeah, I've been on radio. You know, I've been here a long time. And, uh, yeah, well, how you doing, man? Hi, hi. How you doing, Rock? All right. I'm talking about Luis Gonzalez. He is one of the nicest guys to ever play Major League Baseball. He's probably the most popular Arizona Diamondback ever. He grew up in Tampa. He went to South Alabama. He played 19, one nine. 19 years in the big leagues, five-time All-Star, World Series champion, Silver Slugger Award. Uh, he was just he was just, just incredible, man. Um, they retired his uniform, the Arizona Diamondbacks, number 20. He was the first player ever to have his jersey retired. Uh, and where do you hear this on this podcast where – of all the things that he did, especially Game 7, World Series, he had a huge hit, game-winning hit. It was against Yankees, just uh, all-world Mariano Rivera. Game 7, it clinched the Diamondbacks' first and only World Series championship to this day. Game 7, Mariano Rivera, he does it, and they win, and he's going around, and they're going, and they're celebrating, and they go crazy. But no, no, actually against the Tampa Bay Rays. What what was, it, it It really got him, what do they say in the feels? It had all the feels, you know what I mean? Anyway, just a really, really good man. Uh, I did this at the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. He was one of many inductees going in on this night. Couldn't have been nicer. And even when we were done, he goes, I could do this all day with you. So here he is. Five-time All-Star, World Series champion, 19 years, Major League Baseball, the one, the only, Tampa Zone, West Tampa Zone, Luis Gonzalez. All right, I am with the great, the great, the known for one of the greatest hits ever in World Series history, West Tampa's own, the great, going into the Hall of Fame, Luis Gonzalez, how are you, Luis? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Super excited to see old familiar faces. Yeah, you never forget where you came from, right? Right, Luis? Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, this is a, a place that even throughout my career, whatever city I was in, Tampa is always and still is considered my home. And you know what? To even break it down further, West Tampa and some of the great baseball players came from where you grew up, right? Yeah, for me, it was a pride thing to be continue the tradition of all the great players that have come from the Tampa Bay area. And and it's still happening now. I mean, you see Pete Alonzo, Tucker, who's in the World Series. There's so many great players that are in McCullers also, who's with the uh, Houston Astros. I mean, there's so many guys that are continuing to make us Tampa players super proud, not only as ball players but our community here. Now, when you look back on your career, now that you've had time, what, besides the World Series, that hit, unbelievable, 
What stands out the most to you now, Louise? Well, a couple things. One was uh, about around the middle of my career, I, I went to the American League. And uh, one of the selling points for me to go to the Detroit Tigers was they were going to play the first game ever at Tropicana Field. And to be the first player to hit a home run in that game, in that stadium, for me, was a super prideful thing. And then uh, to come back to that sta same stadium a few years later with the Dodgers and hit the first home run into the race tank. So those were two firsts for me in that ballpark and the two firsts that ever happened in that stadium. And, you know, there are so many other great things that I was able to be a part of winning the world championship, having a 30-game hitting streak in the uh, major leagues. And, you know, when I was a little kid growing up here in Tampa, uh, I wanted to pursue my dreams of being a major league baseball player. And then when I got there the first year, I didn't know how long I was going to be there. But to be able to play for 19 seasons in the major leagues, it was truly a blessing. How were you able to do that? Because there's so many talented players and from all over the world, the Dominican, Puerto Rico. And to be able to play that long, obviously you had the talent, but it had to be more, Luis. 19, 19 years? 19 years. I think it was just work ethic. Uh, the way I was brought up here in this community, I always taught to treat people the way you want to be treated, appreciate what you have, and continue to go out there and just... Uh, don't look behind you. Keep looking forward and continue to work hard because as hard as you work, I always felt like there was somebody working twice as hard. I wasn't the most gifted player that always stood out on the field, but uh, I worked as hard as I could and I gave you everything I had every night out there. And I think that's what helped me uh, have longevity and trying to be consistent in this game. It's all about consistency. And when you can when you could do that year in and year out, you're going to stick around for a long time. You were very well-rounded, all-star. Obviously, you could hit. You also had power, but you also were a gap hitter. You also had a record high up, 19-something, with doubles. A lot of guys don't look at it like that. I mean, I've had Major League Baseball players or young guys tell me, hey, man, I'm not getting make money like hitting doubles or bunting, you know? Yeah. I mean, was that something that you just worked at, natural ability? I, you know, it, it developed for me. And then as I, uh, you know, I had some great coaches around me, great people. And you start to learn your swing a little bit better. You gain more confidence. And then uh, it just things start clicking for you. And for me, I, I really became a home run hitter like the second half of my year. I started with the Houston Astros in the Astrodome. So I was basically didn't have the power at the start of my career as I did towards the end. And then I really learned how to lift the ball, get it up in the air. But the doubles for me is something I'm extremely proud of, having 596. I would have liked to get the four more to get the 600, but it, it's something that uh, I'm really thankful. When you look at the all-time list of uh, guys that played, and then uh, I had someone send me the list of the all-time left fielders for games played, and when they sent me the list, I started at the bottom, and I didn't realize that I was one of the top three behind Ricky Henderson, and I – uh, I'm not sure if it was Ted Williams or somebody like that to be number three on that list. It was amazing. And then to look at all those other guys and then just to remember that I was a small kid from West Tampa Little League growing up, dreaming about being in that situation and to play for so many years. It was a blessing. What would you like to see in baseball going forward with the game? game at the major league level you obviously loved it there i talk to players now they're like there's a lot of talent the talent's incredible what would you like to see man well you're right there, there is a lot of talent out there um i i'd like to see less strikeouts in the game um the pitchers are bigger and stronger and 
throwing harder and we understand that. But when I was coming up, it was all about putting the ball in play, making things happen. I think the fans would like to see that, although the home run has really intrigued a lot of people. But, man, when you go to a ballpark and you see a lot of action on the field, that really excites guys. Second to last one, can you believe Shohei Otani? How hard is it to be a major league starting pitcher and also to be best one of the best hitters at the same time? Yeah, he's a special talent. I was one of the – our group went down there. You know, you know, I work with the Diamondbacks still to this day, and when he was in Japan, I was one of the groups that went down there to see him play. We thought we were sneaking in with nobody to see him. And we look up in the stands and there's about 60 other scouts from major league teams. So he was not a well-kept secret. Everybody knew about him when he was coming and he was a special talent and he continues to do that now in the big leagues. This is how I end these. I always ask, and I'm sure you get it a lot. What advice do you give a young player life, baseball in general? You were so successful. What would be the best piece of advice, Luis? Well, look, I, I learned this a long time ago, and somebody told me some guys are blessed to take the elevator and other guys have to take the stairs. I was one of the stairs guys, and I appreciate everything that I have on my way up and my journey. I always tried to treat people the way I wanted to be treated because the same guys you pass on the way up are the same guys you pass on the way down. And I think if you do that, you're going to be a good person and people are going to love you. And for me, I was able to play for a long time in the major leagues. And I tell this to our young kids now that are – you know, when I go talk to our minor leaguers, you know, it's a blessing to put on a big league uniform or a major league uniform and go out there and play, but always treat people with respect. And all the great things that happen on the field, there's going to be other players behind you that are going to come by and break your records and do other great things. But the impact that you make or the impact in the community and around all the people. And to me, that's what's special. And that's what makes a well-rounded player and a well-rounded person. The most pop, One of the most popular guys in Major League Baseball on and off the field. Luis, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it, Rock. Thank you. Just a nice guy, man. And again, with all of these rock stops here, with those that have made it to the top in their profession, be it a broadcaster, an athlete, a coach, whatever the majority say the that when i asked for the advice be a good person don't be a jerk off or as peter schrager from fox sports and nfl network on that morning show he was a great guy he went a little step further he said his advice don't be an asshole <laughs> i said oh no don't be a jerk he goes no don't be an asshole because it's so hard to make it to the top at Major League Baseball, the NFL, broadcasting, whether it's ESPN, Fox Sports, or maybe you want to be top dog in a local market, but you want to be there for many, many years. If you're a jagoff, they're not going to, you're going to be gone. Nobody wants to put up with a jerk. And there's so many people that don't get that. Don't be bragging. Don't be talking about yourself. You know, listen to others. Just be good. Just be a good guy. That's all it is. Good guy. I mean, we're. I'm lucky with our uh, daughter. My daughter, Addie, is a, she's only 13, but she's just a good person. My son, Hunter's 25, and he's just a good person. That's all I want. Just be normal. Be good. Be good. Be a good person. That's That's the number one thing. A lot of people are going to work hard and all this jazz. But anyway, thank you, Luis. And he works with the Arizona Dimebacks, and he loved being back home in Tampa, especially West Tampa. West Tampa, man, unbelievable. 
He played on an American Legion post. Now, if any of you guys are a little older, well, even if you were younger, and you played baseball, in the summer, Legion ball was always great. American Legion ball doesn't matter. And But before I forget, he played on the same American Legion post team that Lou Pinella was on, Tony La Russa was on. Not the same team at the same time, but that American Legion post, whatever the number is. Um, uh, Gary Sheffield, you know, there's just a lot that came out of West Tampa. And Luis is very, very proud of his heritage and where he grew up, and it's always home. And you could tell he was just so happy. This was at Raymond James Stadium right off of Del Mabry, right there in the club. Big, big turnout. I also had a chance to talk with uh, Vinny LeCavalier. Uh, he was getting inducted, the former Tampa Bay Lightning great. And he will be on, I believe, probably next week's episode. But Vinny, Vinny, Vinny's such a good man. And Jay Feaster had been the general manager at the time, and he was there supporting him. Darren Poopa. I went over to Darren Poopa. Darren Poopa used to be the goalie for the Lightning when they won it back in, oh, no, he was before that. He was before Hobby Bullen, the Bullen Wall. Darren Poopa, Poopa. And he says, hey, Rock. And he was there with his wife, my, my wife. And he goes, oh, she wants to meet Pam Oliver. And I'm like, oh, I love Pam Oliver. I said, I'm trying to get her. But the, the you know, you're there for the cocktail hour. You do your best. I wanted to get Rick Ankeel as well. Oh, my God. Rick Ankeel was a pitcher. There was a stud. Had so many strikeouts, but he got the yips. It's a mental thing where he just couldn't, he couldn't put it over the plate. And he took a couple of years off and he came back to be a position player in the outfield. And he made it. He had quite a few home runs. He was, what a story. And I really wanted to talk with him. But, and Pam Oliver, who's been on the sidelines for NFL games for a long time. A long time. And she's still doing it. And she was getting inducted. But they 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 turned down the lights and they're like, all right, the program is starting. Because you got to wait around. I was waiting around for Vinny. I saw Luis right there. And, you know, there's a lot of people and everybody wants to talk to those that are getting inducted. And you just got to go in, do your homework on all the ones you want to talk to. And then you just hope you can get a percentage, a decent percentage out of it. So I got two, <laughs> Vinny and my man, Luis Gonzalez. But it was a really, really good night. It was great. I saw a lot of, you know, when you've been around a long time in one area, seeing a lot of people again, and uh, the, the Sports Hall of Fame for Florida really grew. I mean, the one gentleman, Barry Smith, was like, hey, Rock, yeah, yeah remember you used to broadcast live? Like, we used to put it on live on Bay News 9 uh, and back in the day, and then they went through some rough times, and then there was COVID hit, and boy, oh boy, what a turnout. Everybody just so happy to be back, be back in a big setting, beautiful club setting at Ray J, Raymond James, and just so happy. Everybody happy. Everybody was in a good mood. So it was really, 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 really nice, uh, nice, nice, nice. See, Luis doesn't remember. I thought he would have remembered, <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> uh, you know, they see so many people. Usually people will remember. I emceed a breakfast Years and years and years and years ago. I don't know if he was with the Diamondbacks. I don't know if he was with the Tigers, who he was with. But it was some function, some charity. 
and it was a breakfast in Tampa, and I was the MC. And it was Luis, and I think there's Nardi Contreras. I think I got that name right. He used to be a pitcher, another guy. I think he was made it to the Yankees out of Tampa. And I sat and read at the, the, the dais with Luis, but he didn't remember me. But he's been in Arizona a long time now. Uh, but it was uh, it was just a nice, 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 nice night. And, you know, speaking of baseball, we'll, we'll wrap this kind of up now, you know, the World Series and in Philadelphia and Houston, and those crowds were really, really good. Like around here in Tampa Bay, I didn't, there wasn't that much of a buzz. You know, yeah, if you're a baseball fan, you were watching it. But I was just thinking, and it just goes to show you, you got to go through a whole season. It's just like with the Buccaneers now in football, like just at the halfway point. Oh, this and that. Wait till the end. It can it can change, good or bad. The reason why I'm bringing that up, I was watching the crowds in Philly and how they just go ballistic. And even the watch parties in Houston when the games were in Philly, what, what big crowds. But in Philadelphia, when I went to go visit Joe Madden, the former Rays, Cubs, Angels manager, and he was let go by the Angels, and he went back home to Hazleton, Pennsylvania. He sold or was selling or sold his Tampa home on Bayshore. He has a place in Cali, but in Arizona as well. But he just loves where he grew up. And there's a golf course there, and that's where he and his lovely wife are living. And he, I told him on one of these podcasts, he couldn't have been nicer. I flew there with this Rick Vaughn who, who works for uh, Joe and his foundation. He used to be the director of communications for the Rays. And so we flew together and uh, we were on the rental car together. We stayed together, not in the same room, but we were in the same little hotel. And then we spent two, two nights, three nights, two nights there, both nights at Joe's house in his dining room kitchen area it's like a country they had they redid it just it was so cool but at the time now it's not that long ago joe Girardi, i think joe Girardi was the first one to get the pink slip for managers in major league baseball if i'm not mistaken and maybe there was another one and then joe because they went on a nine was it a nine game losing streak something like that 12 or something it wasn't that bad but it, it happens but anyway and when we were in Pennsylvania, because you're in Philadelphia, Philly's territory in Hazleton, a couple of his friends, especially his right-hand man that works at the country club, he was like, oh, Phillies, Joe's going to go to the Phillies. The Phillies, the Phillies were so bad, they, they were losing. And I was looking at it. When they fired Joe, look at, look at that, and they made it to the World Series. When Joe Girardi was let go, they were 12 games out in the NL East. It was looking really, really bad. And they, uh, the bench coach, Rob Thompson, they made him the interim manager. And it was going to be like, all right, well, the Phillies are going to look for a manager. Maybe it is. Maybe it'll be Joe Madden. How about that? Being back home like the Pennsylvania boy that he is, Pennsylvania man. And Joe's like, I'm not sure. I don't know. It's got to be the right, you know, I have to be in sync with the general manager and the owner. It has to be the right, you know, situation. Joe said he did not want to do TV. He goes, I don't want to be just sitting there and 
spewing my opinion on TV. He's like, no, it's not my thing, at least at the time. But anyway, to me, it wasn't that long ago. It was this season. They fired Girardi. They sucked. They're 12 games out. Oh, the Phillies are terrible. They're going to need a new manager. And here they here. Look, look at what just happened. You know? So that's what I'm saying. You got to wait until the whole season is in the books because you never know. It can turn around or it can go in the tank. Uh, the last, I, I think it was, I looked it up. The last team to fire a manager midseason and made the playoffs was back in 09 with the Colorado Rockies. But anyway, there is your baseball. So last week was Halloween, and it's really cool. Now, if you don't, if like our daughter is 13, and so she still went out and about. And I figured, I'm wondering when it's going to end, you know, going out for the candy. And my wife works at the school, the middle school, in the front office, and she was talking to some other mothers and their kids that are in high school. And they were saying, no, their kids still like to go out. And it was it was really nice. We went to a nice, not far from here, in the same area, but in a nice neighborhood. And because she's a girl, my wife and I, I don't care what you say. She's 13 and her friends, there's a lot of... We 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 kind of walked a little bit way in the distance. What it is on my wife's phone, she can see where Addie is, and so we would stay out of you know we wouldn't be seen, but at least we're in the neighborhood because it was a couple of neighbor. It was about I don't know by car like uh, five to six seven minutes away. It was where her friends were where they live, they were starting out, have pizza in the house and then go walk in that neighborhood. So sure, you go where your friends are. and uh, But it was not where we live. And so, hey, she's a girl, man. She's a daughter. There's a lot of creepy stuff out there. And, and so go ahead, man. Call us what you want. But helicopter parent, uh, there you go. There you go. But it was kind of neat. It was kind of neat. And you know what? I saw that Brady went out as the Grim Reaper. Totally covered his face, six foot five, with the kids, and I'll bet you that was one of the nicest, most fun nights he had because here in Tampa. Now I don't know how it was in Boston. I know they also had a place in New York, and you know what? I'm to the point now where I am not even clicking on every day. Like the prenup was real strong. They had they real strong. Like Brady's worth three hundred and some million. She's worth four hundred and some million. She's going to get to keep the New York place and a little place in Miami. He's going to get to place this, get this other place. I, I everything is just so public, man. And but he has been here now, right? This is year three in Tampa Bay, and I have yet to see a picture of Brady out and about at Publix, at Target at a restaurant, at a wherever. I just I just think that he is so recognizable and popular that he just doesn't go anywhere or want to deal with it. Now, I don't know if it, what it was like. I'll have to, you know what? I had a couple of, uh, I had, what's his name? On, it was really Tom Curran, which couldn't have been nicer to me, man. I saw him at the NFL owners meetings in Palm Beach, and he came on for a long time. What it was like with Belichick and Brady, what it was like with Gronk there, uh, 
the uh, the owner, Robert Kraft, Mr. Kraft. And I'll have to, if I get a chance, I'll check with him. Oh, you know what? I, I also have some other people that I know up there. Like, was Brady out and about a little bit more? Because he certainly hasn't been here. And I know that there is, check this out. There is, there was scuttlebutt. We were over at One Buck last week. And it was right after Halloween. And people were talking about, like, there's some local TV news report, uh, sports reporters that are there. And they were saying that the assignment desk, they were trying to find and see if they could get a shot uh, of Brady trick-or-treating. And I'm like, damn. I mean, I get it. It's news. It will get, you know, but God dang it, man. So anyway, he went as a Grim Reaper and his face was totally covered. And I'll bet you he enjoyed himself walking around. And one of the reporters is like, well, he's six foot five. He's probably, how do you know, man? There's other six foot five dads. Not many, but there are some. And there were some parents that dressed up and everybody was just having a good time. Halloween is a good time. Now we're here getting really ready for Thanksgiving. That's one of my favorite holidays. Always has been. And it takes me back. I don't know about you, but when we grew up in Dover, New Jersey, Thanksgiving, it's always, it's getting cold. It's cold. The ground is kind of hard. And I would love to just go out in the backyard and play football. Either with my friend or go to my friend John Chegg Wooden's house or it was up the street. Or sometimes I just play football by myself. I played by myself so many times. I would kick off. I would pretend I was throwing to, uh, you know, ghost-like uh, receivers. Uh, uh, I would go one way and then I'd go the other way. And then I'd kick extra points. I'd kick off. Sometimes I'd try to punt and catch it myself. Like, seriously, you know? But I love to go out, or especially if there's a couple of guys, and you go out on Thanksgiving morning, and you play a little football. And then you always know that the Lions are going to be on football uh, on Thanksgiving, right? Always. Now I believe there's three games, but there's nothing better. Or... If you're married and you have in-laws in the same town and your parent, you know, sometimes back in the day, like in my other situation, like you go from here to here and wherever you go, there's the football's always on in the background. Always. Some guys are watching it, the cooking, you can smell the bird. Being, oh, I just love it. See, we don't get that down here. It's a little warm. <laughs> oh, well. I'm not going to complain. You know, I I tweeted out, I can't believe it. It was 94 degrees last week. I was backing out. Here we are in November. And I was like, I can't take this. And I was like, look at me. Look at me bitching. You know? And then later in the day, I looked at it. I'm like, take that off. Quit complaining. You know, I got life pretty good. Sometimes when the winter, the doldrums for you guys up north, you know, in March... It's April and it's still kind of cold and stuff's melted and muddy, you know, and here we are with beautiful weather. But anyway, 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 I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. So that there, there, there is there is that. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I just had to jog this down. Like 
just going outside. Like I would go to a field. I would do stuff in my driveway by myself. It's sure. It's great. If you got a friend, all kinds of games, like we were always outside, always outside. Plus I had a paper route from as long as I can remember. I remember the lady came to my house to interview me, Mrs. Burbridge, and my parents were in the living room. And she said, can you count change? Because you'd have to collect on Saturdays. This is no internet. There's none of this. And I was like, yeah, here's a quarter, dime. Yeah, okay. So if it's $2.12 and they give you $5, how much change? Somehow I figured it out. All right, you got the job. And I had a paper route seven days a week for years and years and years uphills downhills all the time i was out on my bike two big baskets on the back and then i had enough money to buy my first car cash 600 bucks 66 barracuda but anyway it's just different times okay here's a perfect segue but i'm not i i do not want to be the get off my lawn guy times have changed it's different it's different now boom when we used to do it, here I just did it a little bit. But I enjoyed that. I we had a very, very good childhood. Very lucky. Our parents were always there. Although my father was always at home. I was like, oh. But uh, it's just a different time. Now, when I was at last week, when I was at that Florida Sports Hall of Fame, and one of the gentlemen that I was talking to works for he works for the New York Yankees. Let's just leave it like that, okay? He's a good man. And another gentleman that was there with him, and this guy started in about, um, these kids today just don't care. They really don't care, these players. They don't care. They don't care. And I'm thinking like, well, not. Some of them do care, but it's just different. You can't talk to young men in their 20s like you could 20, 30, 40 years ago. Doesn't work. They were spoiled. There's been, it's just, it's just different, man. So that's okay. This guy was ready for bear. There was another one. I posted this week. We went into the indoor facility at One Buck. It's a beautiful, big facility. The Advent Health Training Center. And they were practicing indoors. And when the Buccaneers stretch as a team, they didn't ever stretch under Arians. Arians said, when you come out on the field, your ass is mine. Let we start practice. Stretch on your own. That was Arians. But under head coach Todd Bowles, he allows them to all stretch as a team. And most teams do that. You know, they got the big line. It's kind of like, and they they have music blasting, blaring. The players pick it out. But then then once that whistle Boom, you're done with stretching. And then you're going to go to your position groups. The music is off. So I posted on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook a video starting out the morning at the practice indoors. And the music is on in the background. Nat sound, natural sound. And I got one guy like, why the hell do they need music? And I thought, all NFL teams do this, and they've been doing this for the last seven years or so. Even Bill Belichick does this. He's old school. The, I don't know why the players need need to have music. Or I know, 
college is doing. This guy was all pissed off. You know, he has not. This is how it is. It's 2022, man. You got it. And I've had coaches tell me on the side that work have been coaching a long time. You got to treat the players a little bit different because they're going to tune you out and they want to know why you're yelling at them. And it used to be if you just got your ass reamed, you just got your ass reamed. No questions. Now you got to tell them why you're reaming their ass out. You got to go into full explanation. Da da da. It's just different. It is a different time. You got to get with it. And if you don't, okay, that's the way it goes. Um, I did want to. Oh, the gambling thing. Now there's a guy that's in the local media that uh, came up to me. And he started going in this scenario where these NFL games, I don't know, man. This team was down by this, had a chance to kick a field goal, or did they go for it? They had been winning all that. And, you know, the line, the spread was right here like this. And, you know, I don't know, man. I'm like, I, do you think a coach in the NFL is really looking at the point spread when he's on the sidelines, on the headset in the fourth quarter. They're substituting. They're trying to get plays in. He's either nixing yay or nay, the calls. And do you think he's really... Wait a minute. Hold on now. Hold on. Hold on. This point spread... Hold on, guys. You know, the, the you know we got to go... No, because we got to cover. We got to cover. We got... I just, I just don't believe that. Now, I know gambling is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger the more states legalize it. And I can tell you this, the, te- the leagues, I know this for a fact, are going to, well, mark my words, are going to get into gambling. NFL, MLB, NHL. I know this. The way they look at it is why should DraftKings or these other gambling services, why should they make billions of dollars? We got the product out there. Have them go to our website. And then we can do points. We can do, we can do, if you gamble more and more and more, okay, you're going to, you're going to accumulate points and then You can get some swag or you can get some shirts or things or you can get some tickets or you can get some meet and greets. We'll throw that in. And because I'm telling you why you wait, you wait. Now, I if you never really gambled before, are you now jumping on because it's so easy or have you always gambled? Like I'm not a gambler. It's not in me. Believe it or not, I'm not even playing fantasy football. People were good. People would think I'm nuts. That's why I don't even mention it. But you know what? I don't feel like it. I'm doing enough studying from my Bucks Kickoff podcast. And when I'm doing shows, you know, I'm studying, studying, studying. It's just me. It's just me. I know. I'm okay. So I'm weird, crazy. So call me crazy. So what? So what? Do you always have to do what everybody else is doing? You know? And this one guy was all over me the other day out of the bucks and like you know he's just really getting into gambling now and he can't believe you know that 
probably can't believe that I don't I don't gamble, you know? So so anyway, there's that. I do want to end on this, and I know he is a lightning rod, man, but he is very, very smart. I think he's only like 24 years old as Jake Paul. Now, he just had his win against Anderson Silva. I know, 47 years old. Yes, Anderson Silva beat Julio Cesar Chavez, who was a world champion in boxing. So it's locked, and it's recently. It's not like the guy, Anderson Silva, doesn't have any skills. Jake Paul's only fought like six fights. That's it. He hasn't had any career at all, amateur, anything. That's it. He's going eight rounds. Most fighters just starting out go like six. Tommy Fury has never even fought an eight-round fight yet. But I get it. He's a he's a troll. He can annoy you. He's so brash. He's a shit talker. But I was thinking about it. What is the one thing? If I bring up Jake Paul, when's he going to fight a real boxer? These, these retired MMA guys. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know what? Because he's very, very smart. If he fights a real boxer right now in his prime, he'll probably get flattened. And then that's it. The gravy train's done. Are you going to care about Jake Paul then? No, he's very, very smart. So if we're like, oh, he's never fighting a real boxer. Oh, he's going to retirement home. All these guys are past their prime. He's playing the heel role perfectly, man. You know, you want to see him get his ass kicked. Now, I don't believe these fights are fixed. I know so many of you are going to tell me I'm wrong. I just don't believe it. But he's very smart on who he picks. He's going to call out this Nate Diaz, McGregor. McGregor will talk so much shit. But McGregor's such a little guy. So he's got the height and weight advantage. He's very, very smart. He made, I believe he made, he's not even 25 years old, Jake Paul, $40 million in boxing. Do you not give him credit for that? Oh, the sport's gone downhill. Oh, this sucks. Well, he did it. It's America. It's out there for you to do. Can you can you think of a way to make $40 million in one year? And it's not even your profession. You're a YouTuber. I got to give the kid credit. I know. I know. It pisses me off. And all in the beginning, I wanted him to get flattened so bad. Oh, I couldn't stand him. Oh, my God. But I do have to give him credit as a businessman and keep fighting these MMA guys. And then that's going to piss off the public more. And, you know, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Now, I know Antonio Tarver, my friend, who is about 52, 53, would love to fight him, love to box him, the magic man. But I don't think uh, I don't think Jake Paul would do that. So anyway, it's just a little food for thought. All right, that's about it for today. Uh, we're doing good down here. I hope you're doing good too. Look, if you want to subscribe, subscribe. I don't push anything. I do this because I love it. It keeps me in the game. I'm finding more and more interesting peeps. It, it does, you know, when I when I, when I when I get mad about like, oh, it's so hot down here, I'd like a change. That ain't going to happen because my daughter's only 13. My wife doesn't like the cold, so I'm going to probably be six foot under here in Florida. Uh, but 
when I go out to a night like the Florida Sports Hall of Fame and it's so many people are coming up to me, they remember me, I've got all these contacts, like I can see Vinny LeCavier, would you do this for me? Or, you know, all these people that I know, I'm like, you know what, I'm very, very thankful. Very thankful for having lived here. Very, very thankful. So, anyway, guys, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Rock Stops here, and I'll talk to you next week. Hope you have a great week, man.